I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 256 and we're talking about the end of Indie Rail, our uh, massive two and a half, three month adventure through Western Europe by rail. Yeah, we've actually, well, we finished the trip about two and a half, three weeks ago, but we've had some problems on the website, so it's taken us a little bit of time to get around to recording this episode. Yeah, mid-November and uh, up until now in mid-December have been quite disastrous for us, so thanks to everyone who sent in an email or a note on Facebook asking after us after we disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, we're okay, we're fine, and the website is fine, everything is fine, <laughs> but everything is a little bit delayed. So we're going to talk about the end of Indie Rail today, and over the next few weeks and maybe month, I suppose, we'll be talking about uh, individual segments of the trip, which we were supposed to do earlier, but haven't quite managed. Well, last uh, Friday, we met up with Indie Travel podcast listener Sam in Cadiz, down in the south of Spain. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, It's quite easy to get there from here. We're in Jerez at the moment, which is another Andalusian city. Uh, Jerez is, well, it's not near the sea, which is quite strange for us. It's just a little city in the middle of Andalusia. And uh, there's a local train network that we can use to get down to Cadiz. It took us, what, about 40 minutes? Yeah, about 40, 45 minutes. And uh, yeah, it was great to meet up with Sam. And we, wow, we wandered around, we drank some drinks, and had a look at a couple of the museums and, and castles down there. Yeah, I think we managed to choose the worst day of the week to uh, to visit him. It was raining. It drizzled most of the day, it rained heavily part of the day, and then it cleared up in the afternoon. But we had a really good time. It was, it was really fun. And anyway, it was a good excuse to stay inside and chat and drink cider. <laughs> Excellent. So thanks, Sam, for uh, meeting up with us. Yeah, and if good. anyone else is going to be down in... Jerez or Cadiz over the next couple of months. We uh, plan to be here until about mid-February, so uh, yeah, drop us a line. Yeah, it'd be great to see you. So, well, let's get on to talking about our trip. We thought we'd start by talking about what we actually did and then talk about some highlights and some not-so-highlights, maybe some mistakes we made, some food that was delicious, you know. Absolutely, and so hopefully it'll give you a good idea of what uh, kind of itinerary you might like to make as you trip around Western Europe, and uh, also some ideas on where we went well and went bad on our organisation, so you can learn from our mistakes. Yeah, well, I think we started this podcast, in fact, we definitely started this podcast because we made so many mistakes on our first extensive trip through Europe. So it's it's nice to know that we're still continuing to make lots and lots of mistakes, even though we have a lot of experience so that we can continue to share that uh, experience with you. (laughs) That's right. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't begin with mentioning our sponsors for Indie Rail, who helped make it all happen, acprail.com, who supplied us with a couple of URL passes to get around on. Drome.nl, who gave us a little drome device so that we could connect to the internet. Urban Adventures, who hooked us up with day tours in several of the cities that we were in. And Go With O, who organised accommodation for us in Florence and Vienna. Of course, we only work with companies that we'd like to recommend to you, so uh, go and check them out. And if you're listening to this before the end of December and you're keen to hop on the rails yourself next year, uh, head to tours.indietravelpodcast.com, where ACP Rails got a special promo, 20% off a URL pass. That is a really good deal. It is. That will save you hundreds of dollars. That, that's a good deal. Yes. URL passes, unfortunately, are not the cheapest uh, 
item to buy, but they can save you money and they can definitely save you hassle. Although not if you do what Griffin and Valerie do, did and uh, head to Poland, which isn't actually included in the Global Pass. Yes. That can be a bit of a hassle. Yeah, well, anyway. that, that gets expensive too, not having the uh, the tickets that you need for the train that you're on while travelling in Europe. Not that we can talk. The first time we used a URL pass, we hopped on a train in Switzerland that wasn't covered and uh, ended up paying, what was it, like 80 francs each or 80 euros each? It was something ludicrous. It was so much money. I remember it was about three times our daily budget each. And so... Yeah, it was a good four was... days budget. It was something like that. It was... Like, white. We are eating bread. No cheese. <laughs> not even cheese. Just bread for the next couple of days. <laughs> oh, crazy to think that still happens to us sometimes. <laughs> well, uh, we started Indie Rail. Uh, if you remember, we spent the summer in Acarunia, uh, which is up in the northwest of Spain. And then we uh, did a couple of train journeys and a couple of stops and officially started Indie Rail in Porto, in Portugal. Uh, we were there for a blogging conference, um, and then we went around a bit of northern Portugal. We went to Braga and Guimarães, and then headed south. Yeah, and our first stop on, on the trip was in Lisbon, and we'd never been well. The only place we'd ever been in Portugal before was Porto, and that was for one night. So when people asked us if we'd been to Portugal, we were kind of like, well... Kind of. (laughs) We arrived, we drank some port, we went to the hotel, we got up before breakfast was being served and made our way to the airport. That counts, right? Right? (laughs) So we're quite happy to have spent about two weeks in Portugal. So now we feel like we've seen a little bit more of it. Unfortunately, we love it and now we want to go back. So that sucks. (laughs) So we spent a few days in Lisbon. Uh, We arrived and we found a place to stay because we hadn't managed to organise any accommodation. And pretty much as soon as we booked into our accommodation, we had to leave again because we were doing an Urban Adventures tour, which was highly recommended. It was the Food and Fado tour. And uh, the guide took us around several places in Lisbon where he found us some tapas and gave us tasty drinks and then took us to a, um, a fado bar, which is kind of like the um, Argentinian tango, the singing part, not so much the dancing. There was no dancing involved when we were there. And uh, it was really cool, this tiny little bar packed with people and uh, just a couple of people singing. It was brilliant. Yeah, there was kind of a, a holy hush at each point that the uh, the music started up and then as one singer finished you had like 10 minutes to order another drink and have a bit of a chat. And then uh, when the next singer came up, everyone hushed again. Yeah, and if you didn't hush, you were told to hush. <laughs> yeah, in, in no uncertain terms. Well, from Lisbon, it was down to Faro and the Algarve, where we did a little bit of hiking around the uh, the wetlands area and the nature reserve and spent a, a lazy day hanging around in the city. Yeah, it was nice. I think Faro is, it doesn't have that much to offer, really. It was nice, but we were there for two nights, and I think that was a little bit too too much. Most people just fly and stay for one night and then head off somewhere else in the Algarve, and I can see why. From there, we uh, jumped on a plane and uh, headed up to Dusseldorf in Germany. Now, Dusseldorf was a real surprise for us. Uh, We stayed with a lovely couch surfing couple, and uh, we also met up with someone there from the tourism board who gave us a whole lot of advice. 
And with those two combined, we had enough to do for the entire three days we were there and were looking around for more days to be able to spend more time there. Yeah, we we didn't plan to go to Dusseldorf. In fact, we were planning on going to Bremen instead of Dusseldorf. But we found cheap flights from Faro up to Dusseldorf. So that was the main impetus for going. And we were so impressed. We really liked it. I think we easily could have spent a whole week there without any problems at all. And from there it was on to Berlin where we (laughs) stayed with uh, Frankie who we met traveling around Laos with uh, Stray Asia a couple of years ago and it was great to catch back up with her and uh, to catch back up with Berlin, a city that we are planning on spending some more time in next year. So this was kind of our second visit to see if we liked it as much as we did the first time or if the first time was just, you know, a one-off crush. No, it turns out we really like it. Berlin is absolutely awesome. So we're looking forward to going back there and Unfortunately, Frankie's buggering off, I mean, (laughs) so we'll have to hang out with our other friends. But yeah, Berlin, it's so awesome. And actually, that trip from Dusseldorf to Berlin was our first use of the Eurail Pass. The rest of the time, we'd been traveling by by buses and paying for our own trips. One of the big things about Eurail Passes is that sometimes it's not worth using them. We have one, well, the one that we had was 15 uses within two months. And we worked out the, the daily price or the daily value of that pass, and it was about 55 euros. So if we were going to be taking a journey that cost less than that, then we'd pay for it out of our pocket because it's just not worth taking a journey that's 10, 10 euros uh, when your, your pass is worth 55. Uh, from Dusseldorf to Berlin, definitely worth using. I think it was, what, like 100 euros or something, that journey, if you bought it on the day? Yeah, the walk-up prices for train tickets in uh, in Germany are certainly not cheap. And if you're going to be spending a lot of time there, then you will easily save money on the URL pass. Um, not so much in our next destination, which was Prague. And we had a good time in Prague. We've got oh, a, uh, a friend there, and we also met up with a listener called Peter. Yeah, it was absolutely hilarious. We met up with my friend Moroni and his girlfriend Mirka in the train station, and we'd also arranged to meet up with Peter there in the train station. So, so we met up, and Peter was like, okay, come with me. And Moroni was like, so, so who is this guy? I'm like, please, pay attention. <laughs> We're going off into the, the wilds of the Czech Republic with this guy we don't know. And, uh, well, we had a wonderful time with Peter. He took us to his parents' house who just fed us far, far too much tasty food. It was terrible and wonderful and great all at the same time. And uh, when we got back to Prague, we met up with Maroni. He was like, so what was that guy's name? We're like, no! (laughs) Yep, the only person in the world that knew where we were going and who we were going with. And he couldn't remember the guy's name. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so... um, Travel security, not so hot. No, we really should think about that a bit more. <laughs> We did go on a uh, good walking tour around Prague um, in the kind of the, the old city area, and we didn't even have time to get up to the castle. I went to um, the castle. Oh, you did, didn't you? It was, it it was, was raining. A, a manic time, and we did not have enough. Well, we were planning on spending five days in Prague, but we ended up changing things around. Oh, because we went out to... Um, to Peter's place that took a day off and I think we had an extra day in Berlin as well so yeah everything got a bit changed around we end up only having three nights which isn't enough mm. and that's one of the great advantages of not buying point-to-point tickets and not having seat reservations is that you can just 
you know, go, I like it here. I'm going to spend another couple of days and cut off some time there. Yeah. And so it's nice to, to have that flexibility. Um, and talking about flexibility, as we went from Prague down to Vienna, uh, we had one of my, my highlight trips. It was <laughs> exhausting, but good fun. So we went from Prague down to Pilsen, uh, where they have the, the Pilsen brewery, where Pilsner comes from. And we went to the train station and we had one hour, maybe one hour, 20 minutes. It wasn't very much time. Uh, when that train arrived and when we needed to catch our next train down to Linz. So we went out and we went, okay, we'll just find the first bar we can find. We don't need to go to the brewery. We'll just wander around, find a bar, sit and have a Pilsner. And so, so that we can say we had a Pilsner in Pilsen. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> and so we went out to one bar and we, they were shut. And we went into a hotel that looked like they had a, a restaurant cafe. And they, the receptionist was very nice, but the bar was closed. It wasn't open yet. And so we followed her directions down the road to another bar, where across the road we saw the actual brewery. I was like, right, forget about that bar. <laughs> and uh, we were across the road, down into the brewery restaurant, beautiful plate of uh, cold-cut meats and cheeses and um, a semf, um, horseradish. Horseradish <laughs> and um, a couple of good-sized drinks. And then it was on the train back down to Linz where we met up with our friend Sabina who fed us this amazing Austrian meal of almdudler and dumplings and um, oh, all sorts of delicious strudel. things. How can you forget the strudel? Uh, yeah. Strudel. She fed us strudel. It was amazing. She cooked for us. And she was like, why don't you stay a little bit longer? We're like, we'd like to. But we had to get on to Vienna. We now, you did. have to imagine this journey was basically four sides or three sides of a square. We could have gone straight down from Prague to Vienna. It's pretty straightforward. But no, we hit off, hit it off in the completely wrong direction and then down and then across again. So, well, we took a lot more time. We were on the train for a lot longer, but we had a real adventure and it didn't cost us any more. And I think that's one of the main main advantages of a, a URL pass. You can just be so flexible and you can add these crazy trips in. I think we decided to do this three or four days before we um, actually, actually hit it off. Mm. And so we finally arrived in Vienna and checked into a lovely little apartment near the Sudbahnhof. Now, over the years, we've spent quite a lot of time in Vienna, um, but this was the first time we've stayed out in that part of town. And we, well, it gave us a good chance to explore a side of the city we haven't really seen. And we also did what we always do, which is take the tram around the Ringstrasse. Uh, we discovered that there used to be a tram that just went all the way around. Uh, now there is a tourist tram that does that, and uh, the regular trams don't. So you have to hop on and hop off, which is fine if you have a, the regular ticket, which is a, I think it's a two-hour ticket, and you can hop on and hop off as long as you're going in one direction. And yeah, that's really fun because uh, the center of Vienna is packed, is so dense with beautiful buildings. And I mean, obviously you can walk around, it's not too hard, but it's quite nice to be on a tram and see it and then wander around within it. Yeah. Now, by the time we got to Vienna, we had been uh, traveling for, well, all Some of time. September, basically. <laughs> and we were tired. Mm. And we had, I think it was five nights, four days in Vienna, something like that. Four nights. I think, and yeah. we just 
were stuffed, so tired. And yeah. um, so I spent a lot of time sleeping like early nights, late mornings, and then got up and did a bit of sightseeing. And it was good just to have a bit of lazy time in a place that we knew quite well. Yeah. And when you're doing these long and intensive trips, like up till now we'd been changing city twice or three times a week, and uh, it was just so important to have a bit of breathing space to get re-energized for the next stage of the trip. Well, the next stage of the trip was on to Slovenia. We stopped off in Graz on our way, and we went to Maribor, which is um, 2012's capital of culture, along with Gimarach, which we'd also visited early in the trip. And Maribor was really pretty. We were staying with a couchsurfing family, and uh, we had two nights there, and the one day that we had was enough to, to see most of the city. We had a map from the tourism board, or from the tourist office, and it had the top 10 things to see in, in Maribor. So we just wandered around and looked at them. A couple of churches, a couple of towers. We walked up the hill that was covered in vines. But I think Craig's number one most amazing thing was uh, either the old vine, which was pretty cool, or the Vinag wine cellars. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, the old vine is the oldest vine in the world, um, hence its name. It's the, the oldest vine that produces grapes, and they still cut them at a big festival every year. Um, but I reckon the uh, the cellars and actually drinking some wine was, was really cool. even better. Vinag was one of the biggest wineries and most prestigious wineries in the former Yugoslavia, or at least that's what they told us. <laughs> Sounds good anyway. And uh, yeah, so we were in there and, and touring around and then came out to a glass of wine and it was excellent. Yeah. It was great. When we were like brainstorming our highlights of the whole trip, um, that little winery tour, it only took about an hour, an hour and a half, and, uh, but that popped up as one of my, my favourite things. One of my favourite things in Maribor was staying with the family and they just kept feeding us. They, you know, they said, we don't usually have big dinners. And then both nights that we came to stay with them, they cooked us these big dinners. And we're like, you didn't have to do that. They're like, no, no, it's fine. We want to. And, and it was all traditional food. They're like, it's nothing special. It was amazing. <laughs> but a similar yeah. thing happened when we went to Zagreb, which is our next stop in Croatia. And uh, we were staying with a family quite far out of town. We had to catch a tram and then a bus. Uh, it was a husband and wife and their three kids who ranged from one and a half to 12. And uh, the mum just cooked all the time and the food was so good. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, it's not very exciting. We were like, what are you talking about? It was so great. Yeah, they were, they were good times for uh, big meals and, and family cooked meals. Mm -hmm. And Zagreb was wonderful as well. I think we felt really refreshed there mm. because we were very welcomed at the house. And then Zagreb, it wasn't overwhelming. It's quite a small city and there wasn't too much to do, but there was plenty of time to wander around, stop into a museum here or an art gallery there and just enjoy it. So I really liked that. We had four nights there and that was that was good. Yeah, we just walk around the city all day and just pop into one or two kind of things uh, mm -hmm. each day. And so, yeah, that was, that was neat. Um, and then it was back onto Bohinj. Bohinj is, uh, well, you've probably heard of Bled and Lake Bled and seen the famous photo of the, the church out on the island in the middle of the lake with the mountains behind. Bohinj is like the next town along. Mm -hmm. It's the less touristy sister. Because Lake Bled has got so much press, everyone heads there. And Bohinj is, is the next one. It's where the Slovenians go. Uh, we arrived and we were couch surfing as well. 
And uh, when we arrived, it was raining, and it just rained the whole time we were there, except for the, the last morning. But uh, yeah, we, we, it was lovely. It was so beautiful. And our couch surfing host was kind enough to drive us to the lake, and we, we took a couple of walks and just enjoyed it. Now, by train, it's not so simple to get from Bohinj uh, to Padova, but that's exactly what we did. Yeah, the problem is that between Slovenia and Italy, there's no direct train. Well, there is one at night, but during the day, you have to get off at the border town and catch a bus across the border to the, the border town on the other side and uh, catch a train from there. So we did exactly that. We got off. We looked for a bus ticket office, and I don't know if it was because it was Sunday. I don't think it even was Sunday, but we couldn't find anywhere to buy a ticket. So we got on the bus, and we said to the, the driver, tickets? He's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Like, so we're in Italy. <laughs> that was our welcome. And uh, yeah, from there down to Padova, where we had another really cool couch surfing experience, which made the the time in the city, I think, uh, heading with her out to uh, her her gardens and allotment. <laughs> it, it was magic. Like we, we went to, uh, to gardens all over the city to, to harvest... Uh, vegetables for dinner <laughs> yeah and she took us over to meet her mum and we went for these this walk up in the forest and collected chestnuts which we cooked that night it was it was magic and it was all quite unplanned because we'd planned to stay in Venice but as you're probably aware Venice is a very expensive city and also it's quite hard to find accommodation that's value for money so we there are there are some really nice places but we decided to have a look around and and see if there were any other options, because we've been to Venice twice before, and both times we stayed in the city. So we thought, why not Verona or Padova or somewhere like that? And we chose Padova, and what a surprise. I mean, it is an absolutely amazing city. We mm. could have spent a week there as well, just, just in the city. As it was, we um, had a, an urban adventures tour already organised. So we took the train down there, down to Venice, and uh, got to explore Venice without spending all our money. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it's uh yeah, I mean it's a, a cheap train and it was about under an hour each way, um but probably approaching that. Uh so yeah, it was a very good distance for a day trip uh from Padova to to Venice. And wow, even though this was our third visit to Venice, uh we spent the first few hours of our time there just wandering around ourselves and going back to places that we've already been, um, recognising bridges and squares, and uh, we made our way into St Mark's, um, the, the big, most famous square. And, um, and we were there just, I think, two weeks or one week before the big floods. So yeah. it was really interesting to see the, the images on, uh, on the internet about everyone walking through the square with the water up to their knees, and it was quite, quite a contrast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, we joined this Urban Adventures tour, and wow, did we see a side of Venice we've never seen before. We've been to Venice twice before, and both times we left feeling a bit bitter because we got ripped off. Even when we went knowing that Venice is the city where tourists get ripped off, I still couldn't believe it. I mean, was it about three years ago we went there for my birthday, and um, I saw a price list on the back of the door, and it said soft drinks, four euros, which is ludicrous to begin with. And I ordered one. He said, no, no, go sit down, go sit down. So I went and sat down. And uh, when it came to give us the bill, there were nine euros each. And we're like, what? The price is on the back of the door, say four. And he said, well, you're sitting outside. We're like, but we didn't want to. You made us. Oh, I was so angry. And that, that is what happens to everyone in Venice. Plus, the food prices are hyper expensive. You get charged all sorts of cover charges. And it's just, it's just soul-destroying. 
which is why this Urban Adventures tour was so great, because you're with a local. She takes you to all the little places where the locals eat. You can have food, you don't get charged cover charges, the prices are much more reasonable if you want to go back there after the tour. During the tour, you don't have to worry about paying for every, anything because it's all included. But yeah, and she also points out other places you could visit, like a, was it a meatball stall that was closed at the time that we went past? But oh man, it was magic. Yeah, I think that uh, the the structure and the, the set price really helped you a lot because, yeah, it, I always end up nervous walking around Venice. Mm. I'm like, am I going to get charged for the music that's playing, which has happened to friends of ours? Yeah. You get charged differently if you're sitting or standing or if you're sitting inside or outside or if you're sitting in this area or that area. It's it's madness. It's baffling and uh, can be pretty stressful if you're traveling on a budget. So yeah, I think if you're heading to Venice for the first time, or even for the second or third time, do this tour as the first thing you do, and you'll be set up for the rest of your visit. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Well, um, so Venice and part of it, we stayed in Italy, um, but we didn't quite. We went to San Marino, which is a, well, a country all of itself. Yeah, it's this tiny little country uh, perched on the top of a hill, and it's one of the smallest countries in the world. So we were couch surfing there as well. And it was just magical. We had two nights there. That was enough. It's quite a small country. And uh, we visited its three towers and wandered around. And it was great. Yeah, the country is made up of uh, several, well, they call them castles. Um, <laughs> because there's several, I guess you'd maybe call them provinces or something like that. Subdivisions. Um, <laughs> it's very um, small. That's the, the, the top of the hill and then others around the hill, and then others on the plain directly around the hill, and then you hit Italy again. So, um, yeah, it, it literally is just a, a one-mountain country. Um, <laughs> and it's, I guess, every fantasy geek's fantasy place to go. Um, you can easily see um, the inspiration for so many fantasy castles perched on top of a hill um, there in San Marino. It was great. After San Marino, we headed back to Florence, and uh, once again, we were staying in an apartment, and one of the best things about this trip was our friend Julie came to visit us, so that was really good. And we also had a little party, and um, some bloggers who were in Florence at the time came over to our place and we had some drinks. Uh, who was it? Juno and Steve from com. Yeah, and um, from overyondalust.com, uh, Sean and Erica. And, and Beth and Randy from bearsandbeans.com. Yeah. So that was really fun. Although we did get told that we were being too loud and had to take our party elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, but that was at like 6.30 in the afternoon. So that was maybe 7.30. Mm. So that was a bit... Um, but you can imagine eight travel bloggers all in one room. It was loud. <laughs> yeah. Just from talking. Because <laughs> we all want to tell our stories. Um, Florence was pretty, as it always is, uh, with the, the famous bridge, the, the very, I don't know... The, the big, big history of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but I found it overwhelming. It was just, there was just so much. I mean, we'd been to Florence before, but I think we'd only been there for about 12 hours. And uh, that was quite good, actually, just running in and running out again. This time we had four or five days, and there was just so much to see, so much to do, so much art. I kind of shut down. <laughs> Maybe it was Florence syndrome. Yeah, Florence Syndrome is this uh, feeling of overwhelm from everything. From too um, much beauty. <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, amazing galleries, uh, expensive. And when we talk about Florence in detail in a future podcast, we'll give you some of the hints on how to save time and spend money. Uh, because <laughs> if you're only there for a few days and there's a one and a half hour queue to go and see uh, the Statue of David, for example, you want to know how to avoid that queue and yes. rather spend an extra 10 euros and go and see it than spend a, an hour, an hour and a half in waiting to get your tickets. Uh, well, let's jump on um, and talk about our next destination, which we didn't plan on going to, and that was Nice. It was yeah, quite nice. It was lovely. We chose to stay in. You shut up. <laughs> I should have just let that go, but the, you should have seen the look on his face. He was grinning like a little kid, like, hee hee hee, I made a joke. Well, anyway, Nice, which doesn't sound like nice at all, uh, wasn't on our itinerary. In fact, we didn't plan to stay in France at all, but Monaco does live up to its reputation of being very expensive. Actually, we were in London recently, and I went to the, the Monaco stall at World Travel Market, and they were talking about how Monaco isn't that expensive at all, how you can find quite reasonably priced accommodation there is mid-range accommodation, but there is not budget accommodation. Well, at least there wasn't two weeks out when we started looking. However, in Nice, there's lots of uh, hostels and budget hotels and various different options. And the train trip around the coast or the bus ride along the coast is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, the, the road and the rails both hug the waterline for so much, so mm -hmm. quite often you're there in the vehicle looking out the window and down beside you is a bit of a, a drop off and then the water and you can see along the bays to the next little towns and mm -hmm. really pretty. Yeah we stayed in a really nice hostel in Nice and we were only there for one night because we planned to go to Monaco the next day. We only had one one full day in Monaco which was which was enough to get an idea of the city. If you want to spend more time there well you could stay there but I don't know, what was it, about an hour's trip from, from Nice, and it was such a beautiful bus trip, and it only cost one euro, that uh, I'd recommend staying in Nice, even to do the bus trip, because it was worth doing. And, uh, yeah, from there on to Andorra, which was our third new country, and the last country in continental Western Europe that we hadn't been to mm -hmm. so it was uh, kind of the the culmination of seven years of traveling around <laughs> Europe <laughs> was uh, was getting there and Andorra was awesome we had an adventure getting there because we took an overnight train so we had a couchette uh, that was an adventure because some people were supposed to be sharing the compartment with us but they came in at about midnight and realized that there were two people in the compartment instead of just one and there were three of them and so they had to go and find another compartment and, and that was great, we had a compartment all to ourselves. We arrived in Toulouse at 5.30 in the morning, having had a bit more sleep than I expected because the um, the daylight savings that he did <laughs> and yeah. so the, there were clocks with two different times and I couldn't work out what the real time was and it was very confusing. Then we took a train to Los Delet, which is the border town with Andorra. We didn't know how we were going to get to Andorra because... Well, there were only two buses a day, and oh, it was difficult. But luckily, there was one bus put on by the um, the French rail network that connected with our train. So we took that. We had to run to get on it because there was only one a day, so the whole world wanted to be on it. And as we climbed the mountain in Tandora, we noticed that it was getting colder and colder. From and whiter and whiter. And whiter and whiter. <laughs> the, the temperature gauge on the bus said negative seven. <laughs> negative seven. It was so cold. 
And yeah, we got off the bus in the border town. Well, Paz de la Casa. Yeah. And yeah, we were up to our, our ankles in snow. Yeah. We were sliding around in the ice. It was freezing. We're like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were um, in the mountains and it was, what, the end of October. So yeah, it, it makes a, sense. It was the first big snow of the season. But yeah, we, we got out of the bus ankle deep in snow. And as we walked around it, Kind of got up to mid calf and mid height <laughs> at some points. We were just laughing and, our head off. Um, yeah, it was quite funny. We also spent way too long at the border. Um, Andorra is not part of Schengen, so it's one of the few countries in that part of the world which has its own border controls and customs. Uh, so we got stopped for a long time because the guy sitting behind us on the bus um, managed to be attractive to the um, the customs dog. So, <laughs> so he had to get off and go into a small yeah. room for questioning. Yeah, he came back out, I don't know, half an hour later. Um, but yeah, we were all sitting there wondering if he was going to make it back or not. And the dog was the most funny, ill-disciplined <laughs> guard dog, well, um, sniffer dog I've ever seen. He was all was over very... the place and the guard just couldn't control him. It was quite funny. Uh, in Andorra, we stayed uh, with another couch surfer, Anna, and uh, had a good time with her. It was great, yeah. She told us what to do when we wandered around. There wasn't that much to do in Andorra la Vela, which is the, the main city. It's a very small city. But we did visit an exhibition about Andorran uh, Olympic athletes. That was interesting. Went for a long walk um, up on the hills because Andorra la Vela is situated in, in a valley. So you can walk up the hill a lot and then walk uh, along the path that kind of looks out over the city. That was really lovely. And from Andorra, we uh, jumped on a bus and it was downhill all the way to uh, Barcelona where we were, wow, at the beach and uh, a heck of a lot warmer. It was so much warmer. And we stayed with our friend Ruben, who was our couchsurfing host last time we were there. It was really good to catch up with him. And he was so sweet. He stays in this tiny little apartment. And um, I, he said on couchsurfing that he didn't have any space available to host but when I sent him an email saying hey we should meet up for a drink he's like come stay with me come stay with me and he went around and found an airbed and like collected blankets and, and made it work so that we could stay with him in his kitchen it was awesome <laughs> it was indeed and uh, yeah nice to be back in Barcelona again even though we had to cut short our time and we were only there for a few days before we headed off to Zaragoza and we only had one night in Zaragoza because we had decided to go off to London to attend the World Travel Market. Uh, so we kind of did a, a quick running tour with our couchsurfing host on the day that we arrived and she showed us the main sites. And the next morning we had a bit of time as well because our flight was in the evening. And uh, then we flew to London. And as always, London was cold. I don't think London knows how to be <laughs> anything but cold. I'm sure there are like three days in the year when it's not cold, but we were not there on those three days, mostly because it was November. Mm. And that was good. We stayed in Elephant and Castle, which is uh, not known as a very salubrious part of London, uh, but we stayed in a place called Safe Stay, uh, was the name of the hostel. And true to their word, they were very safe, very mm -hmm. modern hostel, and, uh, and nothing quite like it in, in London. I mean, I stayed in that kind of modern hostel with... Nice, comfortable beds, big lockers, nice bar area, uh, all that kind of stuff. And we've stayed in those kind of places before, but never seen anything like it in, well, in some other parts of the UK, but definitely not in London. So yeah, it's, it it's nice to have a, a, a best of breed hostel pop mm -hmm. up 
And uh, yeah, we're at World Travel Market, which is one of the world's biggest trade shows for travel. And so we basically spent five days walking around um, from conference to press release to stall in a, a big convention center. And another great thing for me was to catch up with the whole lot of travel bloggers who were there. From London back to Spain, and we actually flew back to Zaragoza again. Yeah, because we found cheap flights. Ryanair, we love you. (laughs) And (laughs) um, so, yeah, we spent another night, another day wandering around Zaragoza and then jumped on the train to Cordoba. Yeah, and in Cordoba we were couch surfing again, and our host was awesome. He gave us advice about what we should do and what we should see. And we took his advice. We went to visit uh, a tower, which is on the other side of the river from the main part of the city. We visited the Alcazar and uh, went back to see it at night when there was a a light show, which was really fun. Uh, We also went to, what was it, some some conference event thing with our couchsurfing Mm. host. And it was the, the release of a magazine all about Andalusian history in the Middle Ages. It was really interesting. Yeah, so there were journalists and history professors all kind of talking on a panel about about the history. So it was a very in-depth introduction <laughs> to uh, to the history of the city. It was also a good chance to get uh, our head around the Andalusian accent, which is possibly the most difficult accent in Spain. Quite similar to Chilean. So if you know what the Chilean accent is like, you'll understand that this is quite a challenging accent to get your head around. <laughs> Well, time was running out. We just had about 10 days left of Indie Rail in total uh, when we first arrived in Cordoba. And so we had just two more days of travel and that made it two more stops. Yeah. Um, Granada was was the next one and probably the, the last of the famous Spanish cities that mm-hmm. we hadn't been to. Yeah, and when we were in Granada, we were just staying in a hotel. It was quite weird, actually. We'd found it online and when we went in to see if we could get the same price in person as we'd found online they were like oh no you have to actually book it online so they gave us the password to the to the internet we went out to the back into the lounge uh, booked it came back out gave them the booking number and they were like that's fine <laughs> it was absolutely mad they would have charged us what it was 20 euros online or 30 euros in person it was mad you'd think that they'd be happier just to take our money and not pay the uh the fees for the booking service oh well Anyway, um, yeah, so Granada was amazing. Um, the The famous thing there is the Alhambra, and like all famous monuments, I'm always a bit, uh, is this just going to be famous because it's famous? Or And it was really quite spectacular. There was so I, much to I do. I would go out of my way to go see it, and I would go see it again. Yeah, yeah. It was, what, 13 euros entrance fee? So it was not cheap. But it was a full half day of wandering around, and even more if you wanted to. Your ticket only gives you entrance either in the morning or the afternoon, and I'd probably go in the morning, especially if you go in winter, because you get an extra hour just because of the opening times. Uh, However, there are, I think, five sections, and one of the sections you don't need a ticket to enter. So if you organize your time well, then you you actually get as much time as you need. And we met up with a couple of couch surfers there as well and had some drinks uh, in the afternoon, got shown around some of the more suburban parts of the city, and it was a really nice time. But we did have one day just locked pretty much inside our hotel. It was the day of the strike. There was a huge strike uh, at the beginning of November, and uh, we decided to strike too. We just stayed in, read our books. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was in solidarity. 
Also, sure. we were tired. <laughs> and um, from Granada, it was down to our home for the winter of Jerez. Uh, it was our, our first introduction to a city that we kind of randomly decided to live in two weeks earlier. Um, because <laughs> the plan was to go to Cadiz and uh, spend our winter down there. We figured as far south as we could possibly get while staying in Europe might be enough to keep us warm over winter. And um, That has not been true. There was a cold snap last week. The whole week it was freezing. It got down to two degrees, which is not a temperature we like. <laughs> I think a, a minimum of 10 is about what my body can handle happily. And uh, yeah, while we are at World Travel Market, we were talking with the um, the tourism reps for Andalusia, and one of them said, oh, you're coming down? Well, I've got an apartment in Jerez. And so, <laughs> sure enough, with a lead on a, a short-term apartment rental, uh, we ended up here in Jerez. It's the, the home of sherry. If you've ever had sherry wine, um, this is where that comes from. So over December and, uh, well, the end of December and January, February, I'm hoping to do some research into that. <laughs> research. And uh, bring you all of the stories on things you need to know on, uh, on visiting sherry wineries and mm-hmm. drinking sherry. Yeah. It's definitely research. That's right. Uh-huh. So what would you say were your highlights of the URL trip, of the Indie Rail trip? Well, I think we've talked about uh, a lot of them. Um, the the winery in Maribor was uh, a big plus. Um, that's one of the little standout events. Mm-hmm. That run from um, Prague to Pilsen to Linz to Vienna was amazing, mm-hmm. even though arriving in Vienna was probably one of my lowlights. Well, not arriving in Vienna as such, just the exhaustion of of the first month on the road. Um, we had been with people the mm-hmm. whole time, so we had either um, been at this conference or been couch surfing the whole time, um, and I was just tired. It yeah. was it was time to It's the equivalent of working rest. really, really hard and then having a weekend or a holiday and getting sick. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Your body's like, right, right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shut down. How about you? Well, I suppose for me, uh, the three new countries was awesome, obviously. Uh, I really like visiting new places. And they were all really cool. I mean, they were tiny little countries. We call them the micronations, but they were really fun. But apart from that, I think it was definitely hanging out with people. Unlike you, I quite like hanging out with people. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, seeing Julie and Sabina and Frankie, who are all good friends of ours, was really wonderful. Uh, the couch surfers we stayed with were all amazing. They just gave us, they went out of their way to give us amazing experiences in their, in their hometowns or local towns. Uh, spending time with Peter and his mad family, I mean, lovely family, was, <laughs> <laughs> was really good. And Moroni and Mirka as well. And uh, the bloggers in Florence was Really cool. And then more bloggers in London. So for me, I don't know, every time I hang out with people, I felt energized and happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mentioned my low light was um, probably that feeling of exhaustion that first hit in in Vienna. Yeah. Um, Any others for you? Uh, The overwhelm of Florence was a big one. Uh Uh-huh. And then airports. Airports. <laughs> this was a rail trip, Craig. <laughs> the whole idea was to be on the train. And then all of a sudden we're like, let's go to London. And we actually looked into going by train. We were looking at going on the, the Eurostar under the, um, the channel between Paris and, and London. But it just wasn't going to work out because it was a very long journey from where we were in Barcelona, which is quite far away from London, apparently. 
but then we found some really cheap flights from Saragossa. So we got to fly. On the way there, it wasn't too much of a problem, but, well, actually, yeah, we had to take off our belts and our shoes. That was really annoying. And then on the way back, they actually made us do the thing with the, um, the liquids. I thought they'd kind of forgotten about that, but no, you had to get all your liquids. We, we still had our liquids in 100 ml containers, but you actually had to put them in a plastic container. And in Stansted Airport, they were selling um, these plastic bags in a little pod four for a pound. I was like, I don't want to buy that. So I had to dig into the bottom of my bag to find one of these plastic bags that I had. And then Craig was given one for free. (laughs) (laughs) It was weird. I just had, uh, Linda carries most of our toiletries. So I just had one thing of deodorant. No, you had a couple of things. It was deodorant and one other thing. Oh, was there? Yeah. Okay. But you gave me a bag to put them in. I'm like, they could just sit here on the train no, next to my to. laptop and but the, it had to go in a plastic bag to, for some reason no we hate the it. world there was no way around it they had announcements in four languages just <laughs> on a loop going please take all your liquids out of your bag and put them in a plastic ziplock bag no bigger than blah 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 oh my goodness it just blew my mind <laughs> such a waste of uh, energy but anyway, um, so that was a low light, fair enough. We have been talking for far too long. We've gotten notes here on um, some of the mistakes we've made and some of the things we learnt again about uh, travelling by train in Europe. But these are all uh, in articles on the Indie Travel Podcast. So if you visit IndieTravelPodcast.com, we've got some of them up. And uh, by the time you listen to this, we'll probably have a few more up. There's a, a couple more in the wire that will be going out in December and January. And um, so, yeah, I, th- I think we should leave it. Let's leave people with one more happy memory. Um, favorite food. What do you reckon? We went through a dozen countries and over almost three months there there must be some highlights there are lots of highlights that's the problem favorite but the pastestinata in lisbon definitely a highlight they were delicious okay the pastestinata or the pastis de belen oh well it has to be the pastis de belen you have to do the pilgrimage out to the, <laughs> to the outskirts of town and wait in line and buy your pastis and then go across and sit in the park and, and eat them there that's the way it has to be very good what about you? Good. Um, you know, my mind is completely blank when it comes to food, but when it comes to drink, <laughs> there's there's a few a few highlights. Um, but probably the um, the the local grappa and and other spirits that we got given um, by Peter's family and took away with us uh, several little shots, each its own infusion. Um, there was like a raspberry and a strawberry and a couple of straight grappas and uh, what's that blueberry Peach? that I can never remember? The long, long blue one. I have no idea no, what you're talking about. I can't remember. It looks um, kind of like a very long blackberry. Loganberry? A loganberry, yes. And that was, yeah, some really interesting flavors. <laughs> That's great. So, well, don't forget that if you are looking at traveling by URL in the next little while, you can get 20% off URL passes through ACP Rail until the end of December. So visit tours.indietravelpodcast.com to, to buy it. Now, do it now. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it only runs until the end of December. So um, that promotion will be up there along with a whole lot more promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, we are building up that website, tours.indietravelpodcast.com, with a whole range of tours that... Uh, we trust the companies that run them and we'd recommend them. And also publishing uh, promotions there. Every week um, I get sent dozens of promotions from uh, from different companies. 
and uh, this is going to be the outlet for all of those promos. So if you're after some, some cheap deals on travel, go check it out. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.